and we are going. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Belanger. Today's episode is brought to you by Generous United. If you didn't know, Generous United, they are a membership-based buying group headquartered right here in Atlantic Canada. Their goal, their mission, what they are dedicated to is to make sure that prescription drugs are more affordable for people like you and I. One thing I love about Generous United is that they're helping out smaller businesses right here in Atlantic Canada who might be having a little bit of trouble affording health care for their employees. It doesn't really necessarily have to be prescription drugs. You can save money on, you know, uh, I guess massages, dental, health care in general, acupuncture. If you can save on money on one aspect of health care, you're going to be able to benefit on another. So if you can save money on your prescription drugs, you'll have more money for other things. Uh, so what they will do, Generous United, they'll team up with your pharmacist, the local member of your community, and they will put together an attentive personalized service that will allow you to save money on your health care. Head over to GenerousUnited.ca, that's G-E-N-R-U-S United.ca, and see if there's anything that they can be doing for you in order to save money on your prescription drugs. One more time, that's G-E-N-R-U-S United.ca. Today's episode is also brought to you by Osprey Ridge. If you didn't know, Osprey Ridge, 45 minutes to an hour outside of the city. It is a Graham Cook designed golf course. Brand new, renovated patio. When you're done your round, you can head up to the patio, have some beers, have some food, and you're able to watch people putt off on the 18th hole. You can actually watch people drive on the 9th hole and the 1st hole, I believe, too, if you've got a right angle at it. I've done it before. Uh, one thing about excuse me, one thing about Osprey that I love is that it's a family-owned golf course, so you can see the pride and ownership. The fairways are beautiful, the greens run a great pace, and most importantly, the customer service and the whole experience around is a great, great time. I go there every weekend with my friends, family. We always have a laugh, and we always have a great time playing. Maybe we don't shoot the best score, but nonetheless, we have a great time. So, Osprey Ridge, get there before I guess it starts to snow. Today on the High Button Podcast, we have none other than Stan Henniger. Stan was actually my coach in Junior A back in 2011, maybe 12. Uh, tremendous coach, tremendous leader, but he has done much, much, much more than just uh, than just essentially coach. He was actually inducted into the Nova Scotia Sports Hall of Fame. He was inducted in the year 2006. He also played in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. He had 35 points, 199 penalty minutes, uh, and 91 games played for Laval in the queue. He was also a professional hockey player playing for the Nova Scotia Voyagers right here in our own backyard in Halifax. He was actually the Allen Cup winner in 1986. If you don't know what the Allen Cup is, it is the senior uh, amateur men's hockey championship based in Canada. So he won that. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry. So he won that back in 86. He was also the quarterback for the St. Mary's men's football team in the eighties. He was also a three-time national softball champion. And I'm sure this guy will even move your coach. What more has he done? You know, Stan's just a stand-up guy. Whenever he walked into the dressing room back when I played in junior A, you, you, you shut up and you listen to what Stan has to say. He was a, like I said, a tremendous leader, uh, a tremendous athlete, but overall just a tremendous person he's highly respected here in Atlantic Canada in the in the sporting community so I'm extremely excited to have Stan on the podcast I think the last time I talked to Stan was maybe I remember I ran into him at a Starbucks like five years ago and we had a great chat um but but it's been a while so I'm extremely excited to talk to Stan I'm sure he has some great stories I'm Justin this is the high button podcast here we go you know what comes next
and we're going. Mr. Stan Henniger, how are you? I'm doing awesome, Billy. I'm uh, I'm pumped to be here. I uh, I was up at 5:43 this morning, and uh, get up and uh, man, it's just a, it's a thrill to be here. I've watched your shows kind of at the since the start of the inception of them, <laughs> and uh, every once in a while I'll peek back and and uh, yeah, just to see the growth of you guys and what you're doing here. It's 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 awesome and. And when I was coming back and I touched base with Sean O'Brien, and then that's how the connection kind of came in, right? But, uh, yeah, I was, yeah, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm very, I'm happy to have you here. I remember uh, growing up playing junior hockey and you being one of my, my head coaches. You, uh, you definitely instilled a little bit of leadership in me and how to be a little bit, better of a role model I, I remember the first time you walked into the dressing room and uh, everyone stood up straight I didn't really know anything about you at the time and uh, then when you left I think after our first practice I did my research on you and I found out uh, your resume and and, uh, and and what you've accomplished over the years and uh, ever since then I became a fan and I was really happy to have you as my coach that last year junior and I remember I ran into you at Starbucks maybe like five years we ago did, yeah and yeah. you were headed out west I think the next day or something yeah, like was, that yeah it was about then yeah and uh, anyways, full circle, I'm happy to have you oh, here. Man. So I it's appreciate awesome. it. Well, I'll tell you, Belly, right off the hop, you should never play Junior A. You should have been playing Major Junior. Uh, <laughs> and I was happy to have you play and, and the things you could do with the puck. And I'd just look at Bobby and, and Fuji. They were in their coach and just some of the goals you scored. And they were just like stuff you don't teach. And and uh, I always felt you should have been playing Major Junior. When you got called up, I think you and Wiggy might have yeah. got called up that time. Yeah. And I was hoping you guys would stay, but I knew it was, you know, they were, uh, Mooseheads were pretty strong then and at the time. But I think, and I talked with Sean O'Brien. I said, I, you know, Sean just said, I think Belly just kind of developed late and, you know, there's a very small window, right? But uh, yeah. Yeah, you were an awesome player and I was, uh, it was an awesome uh, uh, to have you on our team and it was every time you're on the ice uh, you were a threat to score right so, I, I appreciate it. you gave me a lot of ice time i remember you put, oh, me, out, yeah. you put me out on the penalty kill i was like i like this coach oh. you put me on the penalty i had kill. a fight with bobby mckaysick <laughs> over that right as you know bobby was really defensive minded right yeah, and yeah. i was kind of just let uh, take the leash off and let him go right but uh yeah it was awesome we had uh, we had i looked at that roster man we should have won that year or but that league was so tight uh, yeah. You know, team. You know, Yarmouth, which like, it was picked. Oh, there was no easy games, and I think just you know, at the end of the year, we just had a lot, some injuries. Key got you know, the Roskies have both kind of been injured. Tanner Manson, and yeah, we just man, I look at that roster. That was a good team. Troy had set us up, you know, yes, for, yes. To, to win right, and uh, yeah, it just didn't happen for that. But that that was, you know, yeah, it was great hockey, and yeah, it was a, that was. Uh, you know, just that year, just opened the door, and basically Troy had all the systems in place and didn't tinker too much with him. And uh, yeah, that's too bad. But I remember just being fortunate also to play in the city, like play junior hockey yeah. just in Halifax. Yeah. I remember I was always very fortunate of that. And yourself, like you played pro hockey here. You grew up here. Yeah. I, actually, I don't even want to get into that. I, I kind of want to get into the the different varieties of sports that you played when you were, you, I guess, in your adulthood, but also being young as well. What uh, I, I guess, what love came first? What 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 sport? I think fastball. We we grew up. My dad was, uh, um, you know, uh, I'll say a world class fastball player. He always played. He was one of the best pitchers in Canada and and hitters and played senior ball back in the day when it was when it was big with, uh, it was like Keese and Dairy Queen, Brookfield, and they had a real, uh, you know, there'd be probably a couple thousand people watching games down at the Canada Games Diamond on a regular basis. So, a couple thousand? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, you know, 
They would be packed down there and quite often be fights and in the games. And yeah, it was very entertaining. So as a kid growing up to watch that and, and we got to start playing, I think we were about six years old where as hockey, you couldn't play till you're eight here in the city. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Did it, did it come naturally to you right away? Uh, fastball? Yeah. Yeah, it did. Like, I grew up basically with a ball in my hand. Oh, yeah. And, uh, my brother, same, right? He went on, I don't know if you know his history, but he's, he, you know, he played with the national team, world championships, and, and, uh, you know, he still makes his living. He's assistant coach at University of Buffalo now with the women's fastball. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, I know you guys won national championships together. Is that Uh, correct? No. No? He was, no, he's a couple years younger than me. Okay. But they, they did win their nationals, but they were like midget kind of junior but no we uh he was always a little bit behind me but uh, I only played uh, one year with him when the um, senior fastball we picked him up and he was playing down the states and he left when he was 19 years old and moved down the states and basically he's been there most of his life so that must have been fun playing one year though with your brother well we only picked him up for provincials and then the nationals so yeah it was Still. Uh, it was quite yeah we we I think finished uh fourth place here we got beat out by I think Victoria and and uh, yeah, so it was a good run. Yeah, it was fun. And our dad was coaching, so it was kind of extra special. So, so how did hockey become introduced to you? Just the classic Canadian story of a kid growing up, and you just played because the friends played. How did hockey become introduced? To yeah, you? basically, we had lived in Moncton there for a while, and uh, when I was like six, I think four till six, and and you could start hockey when you were six there, but that's when it was you know a third of the ice, right? And and I remember oh, yeah, the sorry, first yeah. time we showed up, and I don't know, we lost the thirteen to one or something, and so I, I put the goalie gear on. So I was goalie then. And then when we moved to Halifax, I think the next year, you couldn't play till you were eight. So I had to wait for a year to play. And <laughs> I remember the first night showing up and it was back then, the goalie gear they would supply. So it was just minor hockey. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I showed up and I didn't know whether I was going to play. And I had my baseball glove, you know, as <laughs> my cat, you know, going to be. And I uh, showed up and uh, it was like kind of game time decision, you know, what, what position you want to play, right? And and uh, I decided to play out. And I... and. Right, wrong, or different, I scored a hat trick that night. We won 3-2, and I never, ever had a hat trick again until senior hockey in Newfoundland, and it was against uh, uh, Sidney Crosby's dad, Troy. No. Although dad, Troy probably doesn't remember that, but <laughs> he was he came over and played at Port Bass. He was goaltender and uh, played there for a few weekends, but I think I had a hat trick on him one night. So, so you went to the rink not knowing what position you're going to play. No, And no, you just went up and you no, got a hat trick. Yeah. First. That's <laughs> but that was it. That was the last hat trick I ever got. So, so you yeah. got one. Yeah, yeah, that's all. So. You brought the baseball glove because you thought you might play goalie. Absolutely, yeah. What rink was it out in Moncton? No, still no, be? no. We're in Halifax. Oh, it was Halifax. At the old Civic Arena. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. You ever played? You must have been at the Forum too. Was that attached to it back then? Yes, yeah. But it, it was, was the old Civic, right? It was on, you know, on the, if you're looking on the right hand side. So I don't the know what it is Civic. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the the one that's still there, correct? No, that that's the, the uh, new Civic. Yeah, yeah. That was built on the back. There used to be a rink on the other side. So if you were looking right at the front of the arena, it was on the right-hand side going the other way. Where, like, the houses are now, kind of. Mm, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it was attached to it. It was oh, all, yeah. yeah. So, I didn't know yeah, that. That was the old rink. Had the mesh mesh uh, around the rink, and yeah. And then hockey kind of came natural to you as well, I'm assuming. Uh, no, it, do you know what? Hockey is my worst sport because I, I struggled as a skater. I mean, that was kind of my, uh, you know, uh, just was never a quick foot, right? And, okay. Yeah, so, but I always found that hard and. Did you find the tough game a little bit natural? Did, did it come natural to you, playing the tough style of game? It did. I mean, I was a hockey back then, and then, yeah. uh, like I, you know, we kind of touched on, I grew up as a sick boy with the Voyagers and did that from 74 till 1980 until I went away to Quebec League. 
best job I ever had. I started when I was 11 years old. Uh, never got paid, and uh, <laughs> but got paid in sticks and tape. And then in, in that, we sold, my brother and I, we almost had a little sports store in the North End. And we were selling, <laughs> I think, sticks in the store were 10 bucks a stick, and we were selling them to our buddies for about 5 bucks a pop and and rolls of tape a dollar. So we always had cash. So yeah. <laughs> How did you land that job? Uh, a friend of my dad's, uh, Gary Geldart was a defenseman with him and he, Gary's from Moncton. So they had played senior ball there for a couple of years in Moncton and, uh, uh, something, the other sick boy who was a friend of mine, Patty Shellman, uh, okay. Patty, uh, was playing, he was a year older than me. So Patty and I always played every two years together. Uh, but Patty was playing kind of high level hockey then and he was, uh, you know, way playing. So there was an opportunity there to step in. So we got invited in and, uh, yeah, I come in. I was 11. My brother was nine and we stayed there. My brother was still stick boy when I was there at Voyagers in 83. So, wow. Yeah. Your yeah. brother was the stick boy when you were playing. There. Yeah. Yeah. But he was playing junior then. And, still, oh right? yeah. Yeah. So it was good, you know, telling him to go get my, my coat, yeah. good, you know, grab my oranges and stuff. Right. I'm fascinated with the, well, I guess Scotiabank Center now, but the Metro yeah. Center, I'm fascinated with that ring. To me, that that's my NHL stadium. I grew up yeah. going to Moosehead Games and loving that. That That's my, you know, people talk about the Bell Center, uh, Toronto Air Canada Center, mm -hmm. like the Metro Center. That's my that's my baby. Yeah. And underneath, I remember when I first got to go underneath and play on that ice, I always remember it was like Timbits, and I remember going underneath and, uh, and playing there for the first time. Magical moment. But being a young guy there, being a stick boy, being underneath the tunnel, has much changed? Like, when was the last time you were in the Scotiabank Center? Like, I mean, uh, from the actual foundation of the rink underneath. underneath? Yeah. Um, oh, it's been a long time. Yeah. A couple, a couple of decades probably. But, yeah, we were there when it opened. So we, when my brother and I started, we were at the Halifax Forum. So the Voyagers were playing out of the Forum, and then they moved to the Metro Center. So we were all part of that, and so that was very cool. And, uh, man, just so many guys, like I was telling you, there so many guys went through the Montreal system, system that went on to play in the NHL with Montreal and other teams. And uh, couldn't even, I can't even begin to name guys because just so many. And won Stanley Cups and... Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. You, you know, sound like had, Steinberg because he had the same thing. He's like so many guys, so many people came through there. Yeah. He yeah. said the same so, thing. Yeah, it was very cool. And and like I say, as uh, you know, for me as an 11-year-old, it was like a dream job, right? And, uh, and uh, you know, game day, we were there at 3.30 and uh, and just loved it, right? And then, you know, 11 o'clock at night, getting the bus home on, uh, well, we were up to form then. But then, uh, you know, the move much center, we were like 13, you know jumping on the bus down on Godigan or yeah. Barrington Street going home back to the North End. So, Well, do you remember anything about the first game ever at the Metro Center? Hmm, not off the top of my head, no. Was it, it was, packed? Oh, I yeah, they yeah, they would have had a yeah, a very good crowd back then and yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh yeah, they had some wild characters going through there, you know. One of my all-time favorites was Chris Nyland. Okay. And uh Chris, I don't know if you know anything of his history, but um, Chris was on a five-game tryout. He played, I think, Northwestern out of Boston there, yeah. and from Boston, south southie Boston, right? And and uh, came in and uh, he, uh, yeah, he was on a five-game tryout with no guarantees, and then he played like half the year there in Halifax with the V's and fought everybody. And <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, I think he had he had twenty goals or nineteen goals and. I don't know how many assists, but he had 305 minutes, 304 <laughs> minutes, basically half the season. And then he got called up and, uh, you know, spent the rest of his career in the NHL. And uh, anyway, he was pretty awesome and, you know, good guy. Uh, you know, we had a few stories about him. But when, when I, you know, got signed with the Voyagers, Montreal was in playing that night. 
uh, against, I don't know, Boston, Toronto, but the original six teams would yeah. play, right? What do you mean in? They were in? In Halifax. So we preseason? Were, yeah. Yeah, they used to play preseason games here because the Voyagers were here and Montreal would bring other, you know, they would come in and play Toronto, Boston, and Chicago. And yeah. uh, and so I remember skating around the ice and, you know, there's quite a few of the Voyagers at XVs who were playing Montreal. And Chris called me over to the bench, right? And, uh, hey, Stan, come here, come here. He's congratulating me on making the team. And, and then give me some tips. You got to work on your skating stride. You got to, you know, you got to <laughs> take longer strides. And uh, but it was pretty, yeah. It was awesome. He was a great guy. And you know that, uh, you know, growing up in that environment, just to watch professional athletes and uh, you know their preparation. And and uh, I mean, this is back in the seventies, different era, right? Still. But to see that as a kid, right? But for me to ever, th- you know, I never thought I'd be even good enough for junior A hockey let alone to even have a pro career. That was not even in the, in the cards, right, for me. But uh, so we played when you – I played when the um, uh, Halifax McDonald's were original. That very first year they had midget AAA, I was on the Max team that uh, that played. So it was very uh, – it was good. And it's and it's morphed into, you know, so many guys getting a chance to go away and uh, and play major junior and, uh, you know, start their careers, right? So it's That's pretty, incredible. Uh, pretty great to see, so. Did you ever see Bobby Orr play at the Forum? Bobby Orr, he was my hero. Uh, didn't see him at the Forum. I think with Boston, they stopped in and practiced one time. But uh, I was stick boy, so when the original six teams would come in, um, my brother and I would go work. So Boston would come in, you know, we'd go work with the bo- with the visiting teams, right? Oh, so okay. Chicago came in, Bobby Orr was playing in Chicago. And that was the year that he went from Boston to Chicago. Okay. Uh, and I was, he was my hero. I had number four on my, on my skates and, you know, it was like a war four whenever I had a chance. And, uh, I was just so nervous to meet him, uh, but the trainer said he wasn't playing that night. But was he in the rink? Oh, well, he, he came to the rink and he's getting dressed. And I said to the trainer, I thought he wasn't playing, but he, because he hadn't played in Halifax and, and the rink was sold out and people wanted to see Bobby Orr. And uh, anyway, he come up, he introduced, said, you know, he was, hey, kid, how you doing? He was chatting to me, right? And I was like, I was nervous. I didn't really get nervous around a lot of people. And uh, so it, back then, the Americans would come up with different things. Like Gator, we didn't even have Gatorade here. And they had these collapsible water jugs that you would take camping, right? You know, put water in. And what do you mean collapsible? What they basically collapse down into nothing, right? Like a water bottle? No, jugs, just plastic jugs you oh, would take sorry. camping right? okay sorry okay yeah yeah, yeah okay. so he asked for a glass of gatorade and uh so i was nervous it was on the table and i couldn't open the <laughs> the, the the lid on it and i'm fiddling around with it and he's standing there and then then i just basically opened the whole cap and it collapsed all over his skates <laughs> and his socks <laughs> and i was like mortified right and uh anyway he just looked at me he goes that's all right kid right and he played that night. He didn't play a whole bunch of shifts, but he wasn't even supposed to be dressed. His knees were bad. And if you look at Bobby's history, he, I think, only played a little while in Chicago that year and then retired because of his knees, right? For me, that was a, such a thrill, And uh, but I, I messed up, you know. And, that, that's the best story. You oh, met Bobby yeah. or at the, at the Forum, correct? No, it was at, at the Metro at Center. At the Metro Center. Yep. Wow. Yep. That's yep. awesome. Yeah. And I think it might have been 78. I think it was like 15. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, crazy. That was cool. Yeah. No, we used to get meet some, uh, you know, well, a lot of the NHL guys yeah. obviously they're in playing and 
Yeah. So when you were talking about the, the, the preseason games like Montreal, Boston, we had a gentleman on the podcast uh, who was young way back in the day and um, Jai Arab. Oh, I know Jai. You know Jai? Oh, I know the Arabs very oh, well. Yeah, no. they're a little older than me. Yeah. I, tell you, I know all the Arabs, and yeah, those guys are great guys. So he was telling me when he was younger, like, he couldn't afford tickets to go to those games, but he would say the pipeline on the side of the forum, people used to climb to, like, you know, that's, I don't know how tall that is, but that's, you could, if you fall, you could, you could life could be over. Yeah. And they'd used to sneak through the windows to try to climb just to go in to see Montreal, Boston, yep. and they said they do that all the time. And looking back on it, it was stupid. But the the risk they would take just to go watch Montreal and Boston play yeah. at the Forum, it was the the biggest buzz in the city he's oh, ever experienced. Yeah, yeah. No, that was cool. Well, I wish I had a touch base because my brother and I had our own place to sneak in. We used to watch the Halifax Lions, and oh, uh, yeah. we'd sneak in through the back. There was a little hole in the back of the building that was covered up with some plywood. We'd slide <laughs> the plywood over and and sneak in the back way. So, yeah, that's Jai amazing. Did, Jai didn't need to climb any poles. <laughs> Anyways, I, when I heard that, that was, was blew my mind. Yeah. When you were with the Voyagers as a stick boy, was there any management that were still in place by the time you were still a player? Like, did anyone go? Did anyone go? Stan, welcome back. Uh, like, no, like, no, no, they had moved on. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was totally different, right? And uh, but uh, it was cool because one of my personal heroes, Billy Riley, who he, I was a stick boy there, and Dave Allison. Uh, who coached Ottawa briefly for years. Dave, Dave's a longtime coach after his career was done. Yeah. Uh, played, I think, with all the Halifax pro teams here. I think Dave Allison was the only one. And uh, But Billy, I love Billy, right? And and then when I come back as a player, Bill was still there. He had gone on and played, you know, elsewhere, Moncton and whatnot in the American League. And then uh, he was finishing out his career. And uh, come back, he was 33. So I was 20, Billy was 33, and got to play with him. And then... Uh, Ended up Newfoundland with him a couple of years playing too. At the end, uh, wow. he was player coach St. John. So wow, that was very cool. So player coach. Yep, he had he had retired uh, at 33, and then went um, Moncton Flames come into the league. Uh, that was Calgary's farm team, and he went on to be PR and sales with them, uh, and then did that for a couple of years. And then someone had called him from St. John's, and I think he'd been out of the league like three years or stopped playing, and he went back when he was 36 as player coach in, yeah. in the old Newfoundland League. And I had played two in Cornerbrook and then uh, was going to not go back. We'd won the Allen Cup and I was 20, probably 24 then. I was going to go back to school here. And yeah. Bill called me that summer and said, hi, Devil, come on over. We're gonna, I'm going to St. John's, right? And <laughs> I went over there. We had two fun years. But, uh, yeah, Ralph's right. He's he's uh, he's a beauty. So, Wicked. yeah. yeah. Um, Excuse me. Travel fascinates me at the minor level. You know, when we were posting that video this morning, it said you guys were playing Maine. How do you get to Maine? Do you guys fly? Are you busing? How, how did it work back then? Uh, no, you'd, you'd, back then you would fly into like a center down in the States and then kind of bus out of there. Okay. But for us, um, I'm just trying to think when we go to Maine. I know in the playoffs we flew. We had a private plane going back and forth down there. Uh yeah, generally you'd fly into an area and then kind of bus from there, right? Okay. So, um, yeah, but I don't think we ever went from Halifax to Maine by bus. It was, you know, you'd fly somewhere and then kind of, you know, be on the road for 10 I gotcha. days, yeah, a week. So, Where's yeah. the furthest team back then? Was there any teams in uh, California back then? No, 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 it was all the East Coast. East Coast. Uh, yeah, so uh, Baltimore skipped Jackson in Maryland. So that was Pittsburgh's farm team, and they were strong then, yeah. How so? Like uh, physically? 
Oh, skill. well, skill wise and yeah, everything they had, they had toughness and skill. And, uh, actually one of the handsome, one of the if slap shot. So the original slap shot, uh, one of the Hanson brothers and his name, I can't remember. It was a Carlson. So there was two Carlson brothers and I think one of them was Hanson, right? <laughs> so I'll tell you a quick story about him. So he was, uh, for the game, I was I, early in the year and I'm still trying to make my, you know, make my name and earn my way on the team. I was not playing much. I was in the stands on the bench. And and uh, so I thought, oh, there's one of the Hansons, right? And I think movie came out 78 or 77. Okay. And uh, they said, oh, that's one of the Hansons from the slap shot, right? And his name was Carlson. And uh, I, you know, I thought, I'm going to fight him tonight, right? You know, try to make your nut, right? And uh, anyway, I remember him being on the ice and I was a left defenseman and he was uh, coming up the right wing. And so I, I'm trying to form it how I'm going to, you know, if the puck goes in the corner, somehow I'm going to get him into a fight. And uh, anyway, he come up the ice, and, and I'm backpedaling. I was a good defensive defenseman, but he was coming, and I was like, this guy can skate pretty good for a fighter, right, as a goon. <laughs> and he was coming faster and faster on me, and then uh, and then he was going to pass me. So then he kind of cut to the middle, and then I made the error of crossing my legs, and then he went back the other way. And I just took my stick and I kiboshed him here, right across the chest. And it was—I would have been suspended for half the year doing it, you know. And this, anyway, he went down, and then, uh, then they had some guys, uh, Warren Young, come in, and he kind of gave me a little lesson, right? And uh, but it was all good. So, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and then the other guy, Ogie Oglethorpe. What a from, name! Well, that's—if you remember the original slap shot, I do. And Ogie Oglethorpe. So his real name is Bill Goldthorpe. And he's from Thunder Bay, Ontario. Okay. And there's all kinds on the internet now about Bill Goldthorpe, Ogie Oglethorpe. Yeah. Anyway, so the, he was dressed with Moncton at the end of the year. They brought him in. Uh, we had a tough guy, Norm Barron. And Normie was one of the top, baddest guys in the league, right? Yeah. And when Moncton, we played Moncton, Normie just thrashed their team, right? And uh, all the guys were scared of that. And they had some tough guys on the team. They went on and played a long time in the NHL. Steve Smith with Edmonton, yeah. uh, John Bloom. They had, they had, when I look back, I was like, I don't know how he did it. But uh, So they brought in some tough guys at the end of the year. And uh, uh, this Bill Goldthorpe was just in Moncton, yeah. living there at the time. I don't think he was even playing, maybe some senior hockey around that area. Mm. Anyway, he was dressed for the game in Halifax. We'd been on the road for about 10 days, uh, got stormed in somewhere. We didn't get back in until just before game time, like literally into the rink, dress, go for warm-up. And, uh, and at that point, we were all fighting for a playoff spot. We were about the same position. And uh, Bill, so they said, that's old Oglethorpe, right? And, uh, and he was a scary-looking dude, and he never moved. He stood at the center ice and just stared at Norm Barron oh, skating man. around during the whole warm-up, right? And uh, anyway, he, I think he only played one shift. He got like two minutes for tripping or something. But it was a close game. Thankfully, at that time of the year, we were all fighting for a playoff squad. And I think Normie hurt his shoulder that game and only played a few shifts. So <laughs> anyway, but yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, I want to go back to like your you, – so you grew up in the North End. Correct, yeah. And it seems yeah. like a lot of like your stories, like, you know, not physically fighting, but we we're fighting for a playoff spot. I was fighting for a roster spot. We were fight and I remember growing up with the the Roskies. I played yeah. Pee Wee, uh, Timbits, everything with them. And every time they were telling me a story, it was always about an altercation, always about something that's happening <laughs> in the North End. What was it like growing up in the North End? Did, did, did you have to fight for everything you have? No, it was. Like, do you know what? I mean, the North End's got the reputation, and uh, you know, there's some certain areas you probably don't want to go into at the, you know, uh, yeah, 
during the nighttime, but you know, it was a working class area and, and, uh, man, it was like growing up, there's so many good athletes. Like there was the Tyne brothers, you know, Joey went on, played in CFL and his brother Snoopy went down to Katie and they won, you know, CIS football, I think his rookie year. And he's both running backs, right? Great athletes. And we grew up Wendell Young, you know, and all their family there, like Wendell lived a block away from me. And, what? you know, all the Patterson clan, like John, Steve, and Greg, like you just opened the door and you could get a game going, right? Or one phone call, next thing you got 15 kids out in the field, right? Sorry, you said Wendell Young lived a... F- oh, yeah. Wendell uh, and I grew up, he's Wendell, same age. Wendell, we grew up playing hockey, ball, football. No uh, he When we won our Canadian junior champ or uh, midget nationals, he was our second baseman. He was all Canadian that year, so... And he was a great football player, great linebacker. He wasn't big, but he was fast and he was mean and he was tough, right? No so, way. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> was the uh, was that rink in the north end always there, right across from the fire station and the tennis courts? Uh, was that always a th- When I was young, it was built, like, you know, maybe 10, 12. And then we started playing there and practicing and, yeah. and that, right? So I remember in, uh, so the first year when the Max came in, yeah. uh, I played. And so, but you were allowed to play high school hockey at the same time. So I was playing with the Max, and I was playing high school hockey. Nice. And this is where I started to get better. Uh, so we'd practice Tuesday and Thursday nights. Yeah. The Max would practice, uh, I think, like 7 to 8.30. Mm-hmm. And then the the high school, we'd practice 8.30 till 10. What high school? St. Pat's. Okay. Yeah. So you're basically on three hours, three, you know, back-to-back practices, right? Yeah. So, and uh, so that was every Tuesday and Thursday night. So that was, uh, it was awesome. And then we did that for two years. And I think after that, they started disallowing. You couldn't do both, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Or shortly thereafter, right? But <laughs> yeah. So for me, it was about ice time. I never, you know, because back then it wasn't a lot of ice. There wasn't any really ice in the summertime. You could skate and, and uh, yeah, it was pretty. I remember my first camp when I went with the Voyagers. I had skated once that summer. Where? Uh, I was at Dow actually. Wendell Young's brother Daryl, who was longtime coach with Dow, yeah, uh, they were had the hockey school or something, and he said you can come out at skate at six before you know they, the yeah. school started, and it, and it just kind of started, right? But all right, it's time for a quick timeout. Brought to you by Crypto Vantage. Did you know that back in December 2020, Russell Oaken for the Carolina Panthers had half of his salary paid for in Bitcoin. That's how much he trusts the system right now. Cryptocurrency. Bitcoin, half of his salary, December 2020, Carolina Panthers, Russell Oaken. Pretty incredible. Uh, Crypto Vantage, big deal right now. They are giving away $1,500 for you to invest in cryptocurrency. They want you to be making money in cryptocurrency. Okay, $1,500. If you want to go to the link in our Instagram bio, you will see the Linktree app. You click the first one where it says sign up to win $1,500 with invest in crypto. All you have to do is click that and it will allow you to enter the contest to essentially win $1,500 to invest in cryptocurrency. Or you could just go to go.cryptovantage.com slash high dash button and you will be entered to win the $1,500 to invest into cryptocurrency. Russell Oaken did it. Why shouldn't you? Now, back to the podcast. The, old, wasn't. the wooden roof. Uh, the Dow, yeah, I was, like the old... was at the old Dow rank, yeah, before it burned down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so, Where'd you skate in the winter, like pond hockey? Uh, there wasn't really pond hockey. It, it didn't really get cold enough, you know, uh, at so where the Roskies grew up on Highland Park there, I grew yeah. up in Home Plate. That was my house. Like I walked yeah, I out to Home yeah. Plate and uh, I remember the city would flood part of the field out in right field, but it wasn't always, uh, yeah, there was really no ponds or anything skate around here, at least in the city, right? Yeah. So 
Yeah. So. So in the summer times, is that when you were playing football? Uh, no, football is in the fall. We'd play. So we played in the summertime. It would be fastball and baseball. So baseball we play <laughs> up in Fort Needham during the week, and then fastball is kind of on the weekend. So it kind of uh, you know both they didn't interfere too much, right? So, were you always quarterback? Uh, no, no, kind of every second year be quarterback and then you'd be running back or tight end. And, uh, yeah. And then it just kind of morphed the last few years. I ended up being a quarterback. So how did the recruiting process come for St. Mary's? Uh, well, so I played, I went away when I was 17, played in the Quebec league, uh, for two years, broke my back. My last game of regular season, it was a nothing game in Hull and, uh, spent, you know, almost two weeks in the hospital there. And, uh, it was funny, my... So I was on Demerol the whole time I was in. I had a half body cast, you know, basically in the bed. I couldn't move out of the bed. And my billet uh, called my dad about a week after I was in to see how I was doing. And my dad said, what do you mean? How is he doing? And he didn't even know. My parents didn't know I was in the hospital and or had been injured or anything, right? So it was a different era back then, right? So, uh, and I had no phone or anything in my room. And, uh, you know, I was on Demerol the whole time. So I wasn't making any phone calls anyway, so... So what yeah. you're thinking there in the bed? Okay, my back's broken. I'm just gonna go play football now. No, nope. like I'm gonna it's, be. How did, well, the, you know, the doctors told me right away that you know I was gonna make full recovery. Um, you know, it was what they call an accordion fracture, and then uh, my L3 vertebrae, I think, and uh, or L4, so it was lower down, and, uh, and then there was a crack around the vertebrae itself. Uh, but they said, yeah, you make full recovery, and I had all intentions of coming back to Laval f- for my third year, and then. Um, you know, one thing kind of, it pissed me off. They left me in the hospital. I could have been transferred back to Montreal after about day five by an ambulance, at least spend it, you know, closer to Laval. Right. And then, um, you know, they hadn't contacted my parents. So I kind of wasn't sitting well. And then I remember going home for the summer. I had, you know, fairly new skates and they wouldn't allow me to take my skates home, you know, to skate. And then that kind of, it was like, kind of sealed the deal. Right. It was like, and yeah, it was a rough year my second year, right? I broke both my ankles and had been suspended earlier in the year. And uh, yeah, it was it was uh, not a fun year. So so when I went back, we, uh, you know, I had had the body cast on for a couple of months and then a brace on and, uh, you know, and then started back to kind of training and uh, fastball was starting up our junior team and, uh, you know, got back to playing fastball. And then just over the course of, you know, early part of the summer, um, the Halifax Lions had wanted me to play with them, but the football, so I had always played football growing up and uh, it was actually probably my second best sport after hockey or uh, fastball. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, grade 11, that was the last time I played. So I hadn't touched football for like two years, but you know, St. Mary's Al Keith, who was coached then had kind of, you know, had my, his eye on me. Right. So he knew I was home and, and, uh, you know, approach me about coming to St. Mary's to play. So that's how that all kind of come about. So, yeah. Well, St. Mary's the powerhouse it was back then. I remember in the early 2000s, late 90s, powerhouse. Was it like that back no, then? No, we, we, yeah, we were down through a down. We we didn't win a game that year. <laughs> we were terrible. Okay. Yeah, we weren't terrible. We we never got pummeled. We okay. just were missing, you know, some couple key pieces. We had, uh, I was backing up as quarterback. Uh, we had a guy, Carl Hebert, who was out of Boston. He played four years Division Two down there. Uh, so he was basically just out finishing his last year of football. Yeah. And he was good. And we had some good receivers. But we just, you know, we didn't have any kickers and just kind of key positions, right? Yeah. But, yeah, I think we were 0-7 that year. And and then uh, the night before our last game or two nights before, Carl 
left in the middle of the night, went back to Boston. So I remember getting a call. I think the coach tracked me down at the Goresbrook Lounge and said, uh, you're starting on Saturday in Mount A. And as a backup, you don't really get to practice, you know, a whole lot with the, with the eight, okay. you know, the, the top team, right? Yeah. And, you know, I was playing, you know, I knew all, I played a little bit of slot back and, you know, I knew defensive back positions and you don't get a lot of reps. And uh, so he called me and uh, said, hey, we're starting on, uh, on Saturday. And Mount A was good back then, right? And anyway, so we went up to Mount A, and uh, the first half we just marched the ball up and down the field. We were beating them 21 to 3, and the boys were just jacked at halftime, right? And uh, I think I, I, ended, you know, I probably had close to 300 yards passing by halftime. <sighs> and they had two interceptions. One was like a tip. And anyway, um, and we went back out, and Coach Keith uh, said, all right, we're going to throw the ball to John Kowalski, and his nickname was Killer. He's out of, I think, Philadelphia. And he was going for the CIU record for yards, and uh, which stood for a long time uh, for a receiver. Wow. And he said, we're throwing the ball to Killer every play, right? And I was like, okay, Coach. I was just I was happy to be in playing. And then it was, uh, I think I ended up throwing five interceptions in the second half. And, but I, I think I set a couple of <laughs> records that day. I think we had seven interceptions or I had seven interceptions, but I led our team in tackling too. Yeah. <laughs> <a good> quarterback. <laughs> That's awesome. You didn't give up on the play. I love it. No, no. Yeah. I think there was a couple pick sixes, but you know, I, I, think, I, I think I had four or five tackles that game. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's so, great. Yeah. So that's how I ended up St. Mary's. And then, uh, um, and after the season was over, then I went to play with the Halifax Lions and, uh, Jim Bodley, that was his first year as head coach. And uh, hockey for me then, I was like, I had, like my first year in, in the Quebec League, we had a, a young team and uh, we traded, well, traded away all our veterans and we ended up getting Mary Lemieux. That's like the next year we drafted Lemieux and I could see now what he did. He set us up, we finished last place in my first year, but he was setting himself up to trade for Lemieux, number one, right? So we ended up getting Mario. Uh, and he was, he come play with us as a 15 year old. And I think he finished ninth or 10th scoring that year, but he was already the next one there, the great, you know, there was already hype. Oh yeah, absolutely. He was six, three, one eighty five, then six, four, maybe. And, uh, he was already guaranteed playing NHL providing he didn't get injured. Right. And, uh, anyways, he, uh, the first time I saw him, uh, so Laval rink is on uh, prison ground in in Laval where the Laval Institute is which is uh, you know penitentiary high high maximum security penitentiary so they'd had a, a, a hostage taking at the prison and I think there was a couple guards killed and now the prison ways was way off you'd have to go through a fence through a gate but it wasn't a manned gate or anything right but during that the, everything was secured off so we weren't allowed at a practice rink and there was no other ice so we had to wait a week or so before we went to practice. And Robbie Forbes, who was Sydney's uncle, um, and he's he's the uncle of the the um, uh, of the Sutherlands, uh, yeah. Okay. Of his his. Uh, so here's the history with, and I'm bouncing all over the place here. So 
Anyway, Rob. I know, I love it. He messaged us yesterday because Mark was messing. Remember the guy you messed up the name yesterday on this broadcast? That's the guy who messaged us. Who, Robbie? Robbie, because we were announcing yesterday and Mark was saying this guy's name wrong and Robbie yeah. messaged our Twitter. He's like, hey, you guys are doing a great job, but just the heads up, you're pronouncing this guy's name wrong. Yeah. And I was like, oh, thanks, oh, appreciate it. Cool, yeah. <laughs> well, Robbie is a great athlete. He played in our fastball, all our junior teams. He was our shortstop for our junior and okay. like our, our three nationals for fastball. He was, he was our like all Canadian shortstop he, and hockey. He's one of the best players that ever come out of Nova Scotia. Anyway, Robbie and I, Robbie was on our team. He'd come up, he played junior in PEI his first year and, uh, and then come up. And, uh, so him and I were walking in the rink and it was like a commercial was being shot. So during training camp, there's four teams. And, uh, so Mary was on first and they were scrimmaging, right? Had, and so we walked in and the rink was fogged. It was a crappy rink. Uh, I think they still use it for senior hockey or Laval Rocket player there, actually, Montreal's farm team. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's the same rink. Okay. Probably did some upgrades, but, you know, there was no air conditioner. There was nothing in there. And, and the fog, and you just seen this tall, skinny guy uh, take the puck behind the net, and just basically it was like he was gliding. And I was looking for cameras to see if there was something being, you know, that's what it seemed, and uh, it was like a dream state. And uh, he just glided down the ice, no one touched him, and threw everybody top corner, scored, right? And then Forbes and I looked at each other, that's got to be a Mary Lemieux. And it turned out to be a Mary Lemieux, right? So, and, uh, but, so Robbie played with us, and he was a phenomenal player. Um, and he left, he went back to PEI, he got kind of homesick, and I think he was making 300 bucks a week back then in PEI playing junior A hockey. And, uh, but he was leading our team in scoring. Robbie's winger, who's Bruno Trini, who is a cousin of Jason Trini, who, yep. you know, I think yep. actually coached Mooseheads at one point. He or did, was yep. captain, and, yep. and that was his cousin. Uh, and uh, then Mario was third in team in scoring. And, uh, and Robbie decided to end up, and we were having a rough start at the start of the year. We, you know, we were projected to be a very good team. We ended up losing in the semis that year. To who? Uh, Sherbrooke. And then they went on and played in the Memorial Cup. Played Kitchener Rangers, Wendell Young's team, and Wendell, and they won. Kitchener won the Memorial Cup that year, right? So Man. Yeah. Anyway. You're blowing my mind. Dude, <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we're back on. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Yeah. So, uh, so I don't know if you know the history of Sidney Crosby. So his hockey lineage is, uh, so his mom, Trina, grew up in the pubs here in Halifax, and there was five sisters and two brothers. Okay. So there was Harry, who went on. He was a high. Harry was a very good junior A player with the Halifax Lions. Went on played St. Mary's University. And then there was brother Robbie, who I grew up with. Mm -hmm. Went on. He was one of the best. Like he, when we won it, when we went away to uh, with the Halifax Max, he, uh, you know, we played opening night in uh, Cornwall. So we opened against Steve Eiserman's team. And he was, but Steve was an underage midget then, and we beat them 3-2 opening night. And Robbie Forbes had two goals, one assist. Eisman had their two goals, and Robbie was first star of the game. Like, he was an unbelievable player, but he was only 145 pounds, right? So, wow. anyway, uh, so so there was Harry, Robbie, and then the sisters, five sisters. So one of the sisters had the Sutherland boys, uh, Diane and Gary, and there's Darren, Jeff, Brian and and um, who's Robbie? Who is wow. that? Yeah. So uh, you know, and then the other sister had Forby McPherson, who was coach at UPEI, who I th and played on the American Hockey in the American Hockey League, 
and I think one of the other sisters had another boy played, you know, midget hockey, you know, and that's where the hockey lineage is, is on that side of the family. And then, you know, Sydney's dad, Troy, obviously he went away and played in uh, the Quebec League, played with uh, Montreal Red, White, and Blue as a goalie. I think they drafted too. Yeah, draft 10th round by Montreal, uh, played with Pat LaFontaine. I don't know if they won Memorial Cup, but they went to the Memorial Cup out of the queue. So, so Sydney's got a very strong, but a lot, a lot of people know the the lineage there right so, wow what yeah. a hockey family oh yeah it's incredible Absolutely, yeah yeah that's incredible yeah uh, i just want to go back to lemieux for a second but that was a great story how you're like it's foggy skating through oh you know, it comes, was yeah comes through the smoke oh that must yeah. be lemieux he's there i'm picturing like a commercial right now yeah that uh, was him yeah yeah um this is some of the things that he did on the ice in practice it, you, you you must have something it, it well yeah it, I, I remember um, my coach at the time and he was the owner of the team Claude for now was name and Claude come up and said you know go out introduce yourself to Mario right and don't look him in the eye and just don't smile or nothing right you know? sorry I have to interrupt you Stan. Yeah. you had there was he, he was a 15 year old kid correct and yeah. that's how that's how much of a presence he had he's like you were nervous to go oh him. I wasn't nervous no but, but my coach wanted me to instill you know that like, that I was going to protect him right okay and, sorry you know, okay be there for him, okay right? so but he still but, had a presence of like I'm married. Like he's oh, married. absolutely. You know, okay, like, wow. do you know what? And during the games, we had like Wayne Gretzky's father would come in because they were trying to recruit him for uh, Gus Bedal. He was uh, Gretzky's agent at the time, and he did become Mero's agent when he first came into pro. But we had people come, like news media. It was like just nonstop, right? And, and it just built as the year went on, right? Yeah. And then, of course, you know, and then they, you know, next three years or four, I think he played three or four major junior or junior before yeah. he got to playing play NHL three. Yeah, because if he went at fifteen, so then yeah, it would have been fifteen, yeah. sixteen, seventeen, NHL at eighteen. Yeah. So yeah, three. Yeah. 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 So anyway, but uh, yeah, he was in practice. You, uh, yeah, he was it did drills and they'd, he'd make everybody look bad and you you know you you kind of tie up when you know it'd be one on one your time to come with him. And, oh, I got to tie my skate right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I got to get in the back of the line. So. <laughs> Yeah, he was. He just was unbelievable. He was big at that age, like tall and gangly. But he just had, you know, he would just. And my coach would quite often in one-on-one battle drills put me against him, right? And I was like, oh yeah, I got to yeah, do this probably again, the toughest. right? Well, it was just I was a good defensive defenseman, and that was my thing, right? But going up against him, it was, you know, yeah, he just, yeah, even at that age, he was, he was unbelievable. That's incredible. Yeah, that's a great story, yeah. and the fact that the rink was on a prison complex. Yeah, that's. Yeah, and there's hostage. Yeah, and you couldn't play for a week. Yeah, I feel bad for the guy who was held hostage. Well, there, well, the whole prison was. I think the, if you Google it, there was a couple deaths, like oh. guards and prisoners killed. It uh, was, yeah, it was not. It wasn't a good scene. But that prison was off in the distance, right? Yeah. But we were kind of technically on the prison grounds, right? So. Mm. Yeah. Well, back then, like I know today, there's so many kids from the Maritimes that play in the queue. They go away to Quebec, and we're very well aware of them because the social media, the internet, YouTube, we see some of the highlights. But back then, when you went away to Laval to play hockey, and then you came back to Halifax for the summer, did people know the significance of the queue back then and where you were playing? It was like whenever you walked in the room, oh, there's Stan, he's playing up in Laval. It was the same significance back then? Do you know what? Back then, there wasn't. Uh, there was very few guys going away to play. You just didn't have the opportunity. And that's why for me, like I've said earlier, that I had no inclination of playing major junior hockey. None. There was very few guys. Uh, there was Darren Pickham had gone away, I think Montreal with white and blue then. Um, another guy, John Phillips, big tough guy from Dartmouth. Um, Tim Cranston. 
had gone away. Timmy's from Spyfield here. Yeah. Uh, he comes from a great sports family. Uh, Timmy had gone away and played in Sherbrooke and Hull. Yeah. And I think Tim was top 10 scorer in that league, right? Uh, but those guys were few and far between. Like, there was a handful of players from Nova Scotia or Atlantic Canada playing in the Quebec League yeah. or Ontario or West. And back then, you could go wherever you kind of wanted, right? Or when you got drafted. Uh, teams from Ontario could draft you. Quebec could draft you. Yeah. Um, and I would never have gotten drafted, but we went to the Air Canada Championships, the very first Air Canada. Major so, midget, right? Yep. The Ma- okay, yeah. Yep, with the Mac- Halifax McDonald's. Yeah. And... Uh, it, uh, so I was 1980 or 79, I guess, and it had been the Wrigley Midget, you know, and then it went to the Air Canada and then to, I think now the Telescope, right, or whatever it is. So, okay. But, uh, yeah, we had a good team. We, we, we got beat out in bronze medal game by BC, and uh, we got, uh, I got picked on the second all-star team there for it, which they had a banquet, and it was mandatory you had to go to the banquet. And my dad was up, and and um, Cornwall was playing. Uh, who was in? I think Sherbrooke was in uh, in the playoffs. And Dale Howarchuk's rookie year, they went on to win the Memorial Cup that year. They were kind of upstarts. They weren't supposed to win. Yeah. So we went to the game. My dad said, "You're not going to bank. We're going to watch the game, right?" <laughs> and it was kind of a curse and a blessing because I got. I was just sitting there, and I was like, "Holy cow! Right? This is like great hockey. I'll, I'll never play this." And <laughs> And I had no, like my dad was telling me during the week, oh, you get a couple of scouts looking at you, and I was like, yeah, was like didn't didn't re- register for me. And then I watched the game, and I was like, oh, I can't play here, right? And and uh, anyway, and next day I found out, you know, I was kind of, my coach gave me a bit of a hard time because I wasn't at the banquet to go up and accept, you know, get on the second All-Star team. James Patrick, who, you know, I, think, I don't know if he's in a Hockey Hall of Fame, but he was on the first, you know, first yeah. All-Star team. Notre Dame won it that year. That oh, was wow. the very first year that they kind of came into national prominence. That's like the Liam O'Brien team, like the Notre Dame. Yeah, no, that, yeah. Okay, Notre yeah, Dame Hounds, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, they had, I think, 11 guys went on to play off that team in the NHL, right? Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So, Gord Kluzak, who was number, all, number one overall pick, uh, he was defense from James Patrick. They had another guy, Brian Curran, who played you, you know, quite a bit in the NHL, big, tough guy. They were all 6'4", 6'5", and wow. yeah, so anyway... Um, yeah, so getting back, like there weren't many guys, but off our team, I think we had four that went on to play in the Quebec League. The other three went and played uh, in uh, Sherbrooke. And Whitney Richardson, Mark Nash, uh, Robbie Forbes had gone there, but Robbie had, you know, I think he got injured in camp and then he ended up going back to PEI. Mm. But yeah, there weren't many guys that, to go play, right? So, um, yeah. You're kind of like a pioneer, kind of like. It was, it you was, know. I wasn't a pioneer, but we were kind of the first wave of, you know, and then it kind of just started growing, mushrooming, uh, you yeah. know, and then it became more, you know, a lot of guys would go up and get an opportunity, we get homesick and come back home, right? And, uh, um, you know, we ended up, we stayed and, uh, yeah, it became, you know, and then after that, it was just every year more and more guys going. And then the Mooseheads came to town and, you know, years later, right? And then that's just, you know, all the guys, which is great, right? So now there's so, like, in the Quebec League back then, I think my first year there might have been ten guys from Atlantic Canada, Atlantic Canada, in the in the league, and now you know you can get a team with ten guys from Atlantic Canada easily, right? So yeah, it's it's growing. It's it's absolutely yeah. phenomenal. What's your favorite thing about playing a team sport? You know, you got football, hockey, <clears throat> fast pitch. What's your favorite thing about playing on a team? I was competition for me. It was uh, you know. Uh, 
and being with the guys, right? And and you know, it was and you remember winning championships. I couldn't tell you scores of games, and you know, you see certain highlights that come to mind, right? But it's all the characters and the people that you meet along the way. And uh, you know, for me, it was just uh, showing up and and competing. And uh, you know, for me, it wasn't fun, but you know, it was probably you know afterwards it was the fun part or pre-game, and you know, uh, just uh, being around all the guys and. And as a lot of people say, that's what you miss the most, right? At the end of the day. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Team. Yep. Room. Yep. After, before. It's funny how that transfers over into life. Like, I remember when you first, like, came to the that, that group that my 20-year-old year. To this day, like, when I said you're coming on the podcast yesterday, I, you got a bunch of men. Like, did, uh, did Thomas he text did, you? He did, yeah. Like, yep. that, but, like, a bunch of guys are like, oh, you got Stan coming on. Like, have fun. Good luck. Yeah. And that's the that's the best thing I think about sport is just being able to see you guys 20 years, 10 years down the line yeah. and still talk about those memories from, uh, you know, from 10 years ago. It's a great yeah. thing. It's a rare thing. It's, yeah. you know, if you're an accountant and you're sitting, and not there's anything wrong with being an accountant, but if you're sitting in an office, I'm sure you're not going to have the maybe memories that you'd have uh, traveling the world playing sports. And I think it's a very sacred thing. I think it's, um, you're very, we're very fortunate. I remember, uh, you remember Stephen Woodworth? Yes, absolutely. So I remember yeah. I was 18, he was 16, and we were playing for the Lions. Troy yeah. was our coach. and He we, was, he was high-end player. So yeah. we were all sitting there. I think this was like our fourth game in, and we were, I think we were 0-4. And uh, Troy's like, you know, boys, we got. I don't know what he was saying. He was something about trying to, like, you know, we're a team. We're we're here. Let's have fun. Let, let's win. And then he's like, does anyone want to say anything? And I remember a couple guys said something, and there were a couple leaders. And then Woodworth, the 16-year-old kid, acne all over his face, sitting in the corner, shy. I don't even know if he had a name tag on his stall. He goes, boys, we're fortunate to play the game of hockey. We get to wake up every day, come to the form, and play hockey, create memories, and compete. And I remember, I'll never forget that moment and how when I was 18 years old, I knew I'd be done at 20. So three years left. And I remember from that speech when I was 18, hearing it from a 16 year old, every single day I went to the rink, I looked at it in a different way. When I played for the max, I maybe took it a little bit for granted. When I had my parents drive me to Bannon Pee Wee, Timbits hockey, I took it for granted. But from that speech forward, I never took going to the rink for granted. And I couldn't imagine being in your shoes, being able to to travel. You said you went down to Baltimore to play. That's incredible. You, you went all over the world. You played football, fast pitch. I, I just think that's an incredibly valued thing that you have and you'll have for the rest of your life and how you're able just to sit here and tell me stories for, not me, but our listeners. I I don't know. I, I think that's probably part of the reason why you're in the Nova Scotia Sports Hall of Fame because you have these, you have incredible accolades to your resume that maybe not a lot of people have. And I hope that you take those values that you have or those experiences, excuse me, and I hope that you hold on to them and you're able to tell them for a long time because I think it's, I think that's awesome. I think yeah. it's a very, very, very cool thing. Yeah. No, that was, you know what, I look back on it and, and I was fortunate because I played a lot of great teams, right? And when we won, you know, we've won uh, three nationals in, in fastball, one midget, two junior, you know, from Nova Scotia, right, which was not normal or, you know, didn't happen all the time. We're not Ontario or BC and have big populations. And uh, and then, you know, to get to Newfoundland, win the Allen Cup over there, and that was the first time they ever won it. But just along the way of having great coaches, people involved, uh, you know, behind the scenes and then just being with good guys and, and, uh, you know, you're talking about team, right. And, and I was just lucky to be one of, you know, uh, a group of guys to do that. Right. And, yeah. and be part of the team, but you know, it was, it was a lot of luck along the way. So 
That's awesome. Yeah. And been a, you know, I've had a chance to live from St. John's, Newfoundland to Auckland, New Zealand. You know, and that's not visit place, but live in them, right? Why and were you in New Zealand? Down there playing fastball. I went down in 1987. So my for- brother had gone there for years to go down. So uh, I had gone out to Saskatoon to play uh, for the summer. Um, we were hosting, like, the North American Championships there, first time in Canada uh, or outside the U.S. And then uh, my brother had been down two or three times. So they're, they're, our winter is their summers down there. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, so after their season was over in August, we uh, hopped on the plane and down to Auckland and lived oh. there till December. So that's wicked. Yeah. Do you ever see the All Blacks play? Uh, no, didn't get a chance. We were going to see them, and then I had come back before that. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I got a chance to meet a few of them back then, but I didn't know who they were. I knew the All Blacks obviously, but didn't yeah. can't remember their names. But yeah, that's yeah. wicked. Yeah, be able to travel that far and play. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. No, very cool. It was a great experience. I think I was 24 back then. So, yeah. Um, how does it work when you get inducted to the Nova Scotia Sports Hall of Fame? Like, uh, how do you, like, is it a surprise phone call? Do you get a knock on the door? Like, how does that work? Actually, there is a uh, process. Well, John Patterson actually nominated me. You have to get nominated. So, John had put in a nomination. And then uh, then you've got to go backtrack and, and basically supply all, you know, any uh, articles. And back then it was all paper. You know, there wasn't much on the internet. Okay. So you had to basically build, you know, uh, a resume and then turn it in. And then it goes through a process where uh, they've they've got a committee. And then the committee kind of, you know, either puts you in or, or you're not, right? So, yeah, it was actually quite a process, and uh, which I didn't knew nothing about, right? And had no inkling of ever going into the Sports Hall of Fame. And, and actually, the fun thing for me was that night I got inducted with Wendell Young. He was in that night, yeah. who I grew up with, you know, and and I just walked by his house this morning. We were, we were you know, staying with my folks in the North End and uh, uh, took my girlfriend. We just, we've been doing touring around and, <laughs> and walked by Wendell's house. And uh, so Wendell got inducted that night. Uh, Don Koharski, who refereed a long time in the NHL. Donnie was inducted, and I knew all the Koharskis. And and, uh, and then another guy, Danky Dorrington, who was from Picto. Yeah. Danky's older. He's uh, since passed on, but Danky played in Cornerbrook before I did, but a long time before. But he was uh, he was a god in Cornerbrook. So he was there, and Wendell and, my, you know, my one of my best friends growing up still to this day, uh, he actually texted me, uh, he's in Italy, so... He's what? Uh, oh, he's in, in Italy, Italy right Italy, now. Sorry, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. The owner, he's uh, GM with Chicago Wolves. So, um, and I think they're going to be associated with the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. So wicked. Yeah. Anyway, Wendell, I was telling you know we text back and forth, but he had sent me a pic. He was because I stopped by his mom's yeah. to, uh, to say hello, and uh, and she was like my hockey mom. Ever they travel, they would drive me right and awesome. all the games and that. So it was. Uh, anyway, he texted me back a picture. He was somewhere in Italy, you know, overlooking the ocean. So yeah. <laughs> Do you know, uh, does the name Wayne Fink ring a bell? Yes, he was um, He was lacrosse. Yeah, he got yeah. inducted. I yeah. don't know what year. He was my lacrosse coach growing okay. up, like elementary. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I saw your induction speech, and I saw his, like, it was, like, linked right underneath it, kind of on YouTube. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe he knows Wayne or something Yeah, like no, that. it wasn't the same year. I don't know Wayne. I know of him. Uh, probably met him a few times over the years. I never played lacrosse, so I was probably glad, right? But you would have been phenomenal. Oh, I don't, yeah. Yeah, it was, man, I was lacrosse. Well, Wendell played lacrosse Did growing he? up. Yeah, it wasn't a big sport back then, right, uh, yeah. when you were young. But I remember going to watch <laughs> Wendell play <laughs> over in Shannon Park, and, oh, it was like a, 
fight broke out and there's people jumping out of stands and uh, it was crazy, right? So, I don't know. Anyway. I would have killed to see one of those games back in the day at Shannon Park. Wow. Oh, yeah. That would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah so. Uh, Mark, can you bring up that video? <clears throat> the, bring up, I, I want you to break uh, a video down for me. So it's the, uh, just click one of them. Yeah, that one there. So this is Mario. Mario Roberge. Roberge versus yeah. Stan Henniger. So just play it, and then every time I say pause it, like we'll pause it. When, so just play it now. What team are you, white or? I'm in the red team. That's You're the St. John's Caps. Okay. So Billy Riley's our player coach, and that's me kind of jumping on there now. What number are you? Oh, there you are, four. Bob York. Yeah, yeah, I was from Bob York. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Stan. Pause it for a sec. Where, what rink is this in? So that's in Port of Basque. So that's on the tip when you go from Sydney, Newfoundland, and you get off the ferry, that's Porto Basque. And uh, so that was in the old senior league. That would have been 87, 88, I think. It was my last year playing there. I just come back from New Zealand that summer or that winter playing. So they had Mario Roberge and his brother uh, Serge. They had brought in. So the year before I played St. John's, my first year, we had a tough team. We went on to play in the Allen Cup. Uh, we lost out, I think, to Ontario that year. But we had, a, we had a very tough team. The second year, we did not, but we had a skilled team. And uh, But they had Port of Basque brought in a bunch of guys. It was the only thing in town in Port of Basque. And, so uh, that building must have been packed if it's the well, only thing. Well, this is thing. the playoffs. So we're what? beating them out of the playoffs. So it's game, it's a best of five. So this is game three. And, uh, oh, yeah, the people, if you look in the back, they're like, Pack three deep. Uh, I don't know if the rink held twelve hundred people. There's probably two thousand there. And uh, my dad, my stepmom were at the game, and I remember telling them, "Just sit there. You don't indicate that you're, you know, you're my, I'm your son or anything, right?" They'll be. They problems. got Henniger jerseys on. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. When they go watch Jill Sonia, they've got Jill's uniforms on, right? But not mine. But uh, anyway, so Mero had run a goalie, and we were winning like five two. So there was only a couple minutes left in the game. And he had run a goalie behind. They don't show that part. And uh, anyway, so I had come off the bench to kind of, you know, yeah, settle yeah. the score, right? Yeah. And, but he was a tough guy. He went on. He played in the NHL. He won a Stanley Cup in Montreal in 1983. If you want to wow. you want to watch some hockey fights, you Google the Roberge brothers. And uh, Serge's brother played, I think, eight games with the Nordiques. Uh, Serge was bigger. Um, and... And a tough guy, but he couldn't skate. But eighty three, won a cup in eighty three. No, that was ninety three. He, he was, won. He won a cup in ninety three yep. with Montreal. Yep. So he started. He played in the Quebec League, and him and his brother, and then uh, they ended up. They kicked around some senior leagues, and then they went from there to with Fredericton, um, with the Canadians, yeah. and got in. And that's how they kind of started. Wow. And then, basically, fought their way up to the NHL. And uh, he was a tough guy. I remember hitting him the first few punches, and he didn't go down. But this was like third time we fought this year or that year, right? Just click, and click, I'd, click play there. That that is the third time you're fighting them. Yeah, that was about our third fight that year, right? And uh, <laughs> and it, I remember uh, when I came back from New Zealand. I come back in December, yeah. um, and I'd skated I think once or twice. And actually, Billy Riley were laughing about this the other day. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd been on the ice once or twice, and then Porta Bass was coming in town and in the St. John's, and and uh, they were saying how, you know, they had a tough team and we're going to square us up, right, our team. And 
anyway, so before the game, I told Billy, I said, start me. I said, I won't be around long, right? And, and Serge is on the ice, and uh, right away I, I high-sticked him and challenged him to a fight. He didn't want to – he said third period because back then he kicked out for fighting. Uh, you only allow one fight. Back then, you only really? Yeah, not league. I mean, it changed over the years. But there were so many fights that they had to do something, right, that it was just nonstop. So yeah. anyway, so we end up having a fight, and uh, and then uh, we almost fought underneath the stands in the old St. John's rink. We would get underneath, and I was hauling him at one end of the hallway. He was hauling the other, and we started running towards each other. I got tackled by the police. He got tackled by the police. Did you still uh, have your skates on? Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were going to go at her underneath, right? So... Yeah, I had lots of run-ins with the police over in Newfoundland. I, my first year there, uh, uh, I think Grand Falls was in the league, and their general manager, I remember, was always hollering at me and beaking. And uh, anyway, I just got tired of it. And the play went up the ice one time, and, uh, and it was late in the year, and I just slugged him. And he had he was looking, he was watching the play go up the ice, and I just skated by with my glove and cracked him. And his glasses fell on the ice. He was laying back by the... You know, by their bench, and uh, and I hit him hard. His he wore glasses while we played. Oh no, he was the general manager. He oh. had nothing to do with playing. He oh. was just beside the bench, and he was always hollering, screaming at guys. Right, so I just and had just... enough. <laughs> I slugged him right during the play. He didn't see it coming, and after the game, I got arrested. The RCMP came in. He called. He. Uh, he called uh, the RCMP and, you know, charged me with assault. And, <laughs> Did uh, he drop the charges? Well, <laughs> that's a funny yeah, story. We don't have to talk about it if you don't well, want to. Well, oh, no, no, no. It's a long time, I think. Uh, yeah, we'll, we can It's chat. still pending. <laughs> oh, no, no. It, uh, so, anyway, they, they come into our room and put handcuffs on me and took me to another room, took the handcuffs off, and, uh, so, you know, he's charging me with assault, read me rights, and blah, blah, blah. So, I went out through all that. And uh, so, we had a court date set, and uh, we, were in, we went into playoffs, and the court was like on a Monday morning, nine o'clock in Grand Falls. So that's like three hours away. And uh, my and one of our executives was a lawyer. And you know, weeks leading up to it, he goes, "Stan," he said, "You know, just call the guy and apologize, and he'll uh, drop the charges." And I'm saying, "Paul," and this was the lawyer. I said, "Paul, I'm not apologizing. No way, right?" And, and he's like saying, "Well, you're gonna go to court then, right?" And uh, so on a Sunday afternoon, so we played on weekends, Saturday, Sunday, so. We had guys come in from St. John's, and uh, I can't remember who we were in the playoffs with at that time. might have been Stephenville or something. And uh, so it was Sunday afternoon, and the game was over. Uh, we were back at the hotel where the guys stayed, and we were having some drinks. And, and one of the guys, Bob O'Neill, his nickname was Mooner, he said, Stand by, you're going to go to court tomorrow morning. Yeah, like, ah. Anyway, somehow he had his phone number. So Bob O'Neill was a real character. He said, Give me the phone number. I'll call, right, to make the apology, right? So... Mooner picked up the phone, called the guy in Grand Falls, said, hi, I'm Stan Henniger, you know, just want to apologize for what I did and blah, blah, blah. And, and it turned out into a long conversation. The guy invited me for dinner and, and, and it wasn't him that, or me that he was, and I was trying to get Bob to, you know, tone it down, right? So he dropped the charges. So I didn't have to go to Grand Falls <laughs> the next morning. And, but fast forward like 10 years later, a friend of ours was uh, a Labatch rep in uh, in Cornerbrook. So they had like social clubs. So they come over, and I was retired then, done playing. They come over to uh, Sydney, Nova Scotia. And uh, the Oilers were playing there then, Cape Breton Oilers. So they had a suite up top, and uh, they come over, was playing cards and, you know, having some fun. One of the guys from Grand Falls came in, and it was this guy's nephew or something. 
And he was rooming with me. We all kind of got, to, yeah. you know, a bunch of guys from Newfoundland come over for a party. So I was telling him the story because he was telling me that, I don't know if it was his uncle or some relative, that how I had, you know, kind of come back begging not to charge him, you know, with it. <laughs> and then I told him the story. It wasn't me who made the phone call. So. <laughs> I told him that. Did you say it was like 10 years later? You told oh, him yeah. It was, it was about 8, 10 that, years later, right? So, so he said, and he was just roaring laughing. He said, I can't wait to, you know, go that. back and tell him. So I haven't heard anything back. So <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's a great story. Yeah, and then my, uh, what was it, my second year, we had a bench brawl against Stephenville. Oh, yeah. And one of the guys come on, or uh, a fan come out of the, the uh, crowd and jumped on one of our trainers and was beating our trainer up. So I was on the ice, come off the ice, grabbed him, but I didn't hit him. And as it turned out, he was one of their tough guys who wasn't dressed. You know, he was from Stephenville. Anyway, I didn't hit him, just grabbed him and pulled him off my guy, right, our trainer. And uh, after the game, the police come in and they were charging him, not me, but... So the next day I was home and a police vehicle showed up in our yard. We lived underneath a bar in Cornerbrook. Uh, and uh, RCMP was out there, right? And uh, I said, oh, man, here we go again, right? Then they took me out and interviewed me in the back of the vehicle. And uh, But anyway, I, I was I had no fault there. It was That's fine. incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Was it you who was in Miramichi with us when Bobby got the mustard thrown on him? Oh, yeah. Was I that... was out with Troy and yeah. Bobby. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was, yeah. That was, that, do you know what? That probably would end ended Troy's career if uh, we had to get into a fight out there. He wouldn't have went on to, you know, coaching any national programs or any programs after oh, that. Thankfully, you we know, still talk about uh, that. nothing happened there, right? Yeah. That cage in Miramichi saved a lot of people. Because, you oh, know, the cage right yeah, next to... they locked to, us in. They yeah. locked us in. We couldn't or get locked, out. Or locked them out, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, always think I remember that. Bobby, yeah, he had that the jacket on. But, uh, yeah, thankfully for Troy, we didn't didn't because he would have, uh, you know, we would all have gotten in trouble, right? But, yeah. Man. Yeah. Um, can we show the other video here? <clears throat> nope. Oh, yeah, this is it. The one and only. Is this the video? So this is the one and only John Profi. <laughs> Oh, man. He's fighting the goalie. Full screen it, though, Mark? Yeah, that's down, I think, with Norfolk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what? great. That's John. And he's in well into his 60s there. Might even be in the 70s. That. He, <laughs> yeah, he's the he, coach and general manager down there for them. I was watching this this morning, and I was confused to what was going on. <laughs> and I know this 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 uh, John coached you with the Voyagers. Yeah, John John recruited me. Yeah, it, <laughs> he's it, grabbing another guy. <laughs> he's trying to fight. So, oh yeah. What's the name of the video? Just want our, our, the listeners to look it up. So, if you're listening and you can't watch this, go to YouTube and type in the one and only John uh, Profi, and it's him trying to fight the opposing team as he's getting walked <laughs> off anyways the the passion of this guy it seems incredible Did, what, what was it like being uh, coached by john <laughs> um it was interesting you know what uh so john called me up and and uh had seen me play with the lions so he was coaching voyagers then and they invited me to come out and try out that with them the next year and 
I didn't have much hope in making the team. I thought it was just kind of a nice gesture to have a local guy come out, right? And uh, and it was that summer I skated once. I was in good shape. I was boxing. I was lifting weights. I was running. I was like I thought in peak physical condition that year. And I was about two. I think the year before with the Lions, I was like two oh five. And I showed up camp. I was two oh seven, but I was good shape. But you know, I played football and and uh, anyway. Um, you know, John had basically said, you come in and do the other things, which was fight, uh, you know, it will give you a chance, right? So I remember our first practice, um, and I, you know, we had a scrimmage. So uh, Montreal had just broken camp. I didn't go to their camp. I just basically walked on with, with them when they broke camp in Halifax. And, uh, you know, there's a difference between running shape and skating shape, right, as you know. And uh, so I come out, and I, I got to make a name here. I got to do something. Well, Michelle Terrier, who coached a long time in the NHL, Michelle broke my ankle the year before. He was in Shakutami, and I was playing Laval. I had just come off a broken ankle. We had busted Shakutami, and I wasn't even supposed to dress, but they had a tough team, and, and the coach, and I was about a week away from coming back. And coach had asked if I wanted to dress and to sit on the bench. And everyone hated Goshikumi, a seven-hour bus ride from Laval. And I said, all right. So I sat on the bench. And uh, and then there was a bunch of fights and stuff. And we had, it was, I had to kill a penalty. I hadn't even been on the ice. I hadn't stepped on the ice. And the coach, uh, you know, then said, do you want to go kill a penalty, right? And I said, all right. So I, I literally I jumped over the boards. And the puck come up by the boards and Michelle come and we were kind of arrived at the same time and he swiped at it and uh, but he missed and hit me on the ankle but it was kind of he was kind of doing you know it was half accidental half not so he broke my other ankle so I had just come off and it was against Shakutami before that I get hit with a puck in front of the net and uh, so I broke that ankle so anyway Michelle's coming into camp and I thought, oh, I'll fight Michelle. But he wasn't a tough guy, right? He was a good player. He was a good, very skilled defenseman. Yeah. And uh, thankfully, we only had three defensemen on each team. And uh, there was no fighting to be done. That was, it was survival. I remember uh, like after about shift four, I was sitting on the bench. And I had to throw up. I, and so we were at the Metro Center. I walked underneath the stands after I come off. So you're basically coming off, yeah. going back on, coming off. Like there was no... Yeah. And very high level, right? It was all fast. And, and so I threw up underneath the stands. And our trainer <laughs> came over and he said, Stan, you better not let Brof see you do that because his thing was conditioning. Like he was just a fitness fanatic and <laughs> wanted his guys to be, he said, do not let him see you throw up. He'll send you off, right? You'll basically be done. Yeah. So a few more shifts come off. And I was so gassed, so winded. Uh, and the pace was, you know, beyond fast for me. And I come off and I had to throw up again. So I'm sitting on the bench and I threw up in my glove and I was trying to be so nonchalant about it. I didn't want to leave the bench, threw up in my glove and then had to end up washing it out with a water bottle, went back out. But I didn't fight Michelle, which I was glad because I ended up being friends with him on the team that year, right? And then, uh, you know, he had a good pro career and then went on, of course, you know, coaching the NHL, yeah, right? Yeah. But yeah, so I was going to fight him, but then I, I was glad I didn't. Michelle wasn't a fighter, but he was a big guy, but very skilled player, right? But so... So John was very demanding, as anyone who ever played for him. Uh, very intense. You did not want to lose a game, ever. And uh, yeah, he was. But he he was hard on me. Um, but I knew he liked me. But he was extremely hard. Like uh, I was a guy. I showed up. I was kind of first at the rink, 
and uh, always there. And then he would always be on the he'd be on the ice hour and a half before practice, right? And the coach would be on the oh, ice. Oh yeah, he would he would be out there just skating around, and especially if he lost, right? So a few of the times I get out. I was on the ice at a bad time with him. Yeah. No one else was out there, and he'd just start skating me before practice or make me, you know, line 100 pucks up, shooting the pucks. And if you missed the net, it was 10 push-ups and for each puck. And, oh, I'd be bagged before practice would even start, right? But I remember at the start of the year, so I was 207 pounds when he started camp. Mm-hmm. And then when I signed about a week later, he, uh, he looked at me. He says, I want you to play 190. And I was like, okay, right? And I hadn't played. I was like, midget i was close to 190 right so you know we're going back three years right yeah so anyway so i so my routine became i would i would go to the metro center i would jog to the ymca over in south park street i would go in the uh, steam room for about half an hour then i would jump on a bike ride the bike and then go back to practice. And then we practice like I jog back. We practice. Yeah. To get down to 190. Yeah. And I did get to 190. And uh, and then we hit uh, Christmas time, and we had two days off. And we started out great. We had, we were first place till November. Uh, we didn't have many first round picks. We were just a lot of older veterans. You know, some young guys sprinkled in there. And uh, anyway, uh, so we had two days off at Christmas, and uh, we come back. And then bro- wait, he weighed you every day. He stood over, oh. right? He had the, the old Toledo scales, right, the, in the doctor's yeah, office. Yeah, so yeah. he weighed you every day, and he wrote it down. And he, he did, not there. the trainer. The oh, coach no. weighed he, you. Absolutely, oh yeah. God. So, and he weighed the whole team. He had to go down to the room in the Metro Center at, the, at his coach's room or beside it, and he weighed you. So, anyway, uh, I come back. I was 202 pounds after two days it was all liquid couple rum and coke oh yeah, yeah. yeah lots of beers it wasn't rum drinker but uh and i think there was four or five it was billy riley dave allison uh, a few others came in and we weighed about 10 pounds heavier and about t- and he freaked anyway he said you got two days to lose weight and it's 25 bucks a pound for each pound you're over right and uh and then he he skated us put garbage bags on us and skated us in practice so uh our captain at the time was bill kitchen Okay. And Bill since passed on, but uh, Billy was a great guy, great captain. Played in the NHL for a while with Toronto, Montreal. Uh, his brother, um, oh Mike Kitchen, I think, still assistant coach in the NHL. Oh. Long time in Toronto, St. Okay. Louis. Anyway, uh, Bill called me down to the room, and I was really, I, I was really fighting to stay at 190, and uh, not that I was overweight or anything, but it was like. You know, Brof thought I had to be lean and fast and, you know, or fast, as fast as I could be. So he had picked 190 and, uh, and I struggled. It was a daily struggle. I knew nothing about nutrition. So, um, so Bill called me down to the, where the weight scale was when no one was around. He said, I'm going to show you something and, but you can't tell anybody. I'm going to show you how to cheat on scale. Cause Bill was a big guy. He was like 205 pounds. Well, uh, he was more than 205, but that was his playing yeah, yeah. weight supposedly. Uh, so he brought me down and he said, I'm going to show you this. You do not tell anybody. Uh, so on a Toledo scale, you have the base and then you have the weight part. So he said, here's how you do it. You hang your big toe over the scale, uh, the base, and you touch the platform and you can take 10, 15, 50 pounds off. Right. So he said, you can play, you should be like 195. Right. And I was like, I agree. Right. (laughs) Anyway, so we practiced. I hung my toe over the, over practice. And I was like, oh, I I can do this. Right. 
And I remember the next day, I was so nervous, one of the most nervous I've ever been in my life. Well, not the next day, maybe about a week later. And I just kind of went back to, and I was, every day I was practicing. Like the, on the scale, you're practicing, yep. like how yep. to do it. And then, uh, I think we were on the road or something. We come back and yeah, it was about 195 and he hadn't been weighing us, right? Because yeah, yeah. we were on the road. And then uh, we get back and I was like 195, weighed myself, it was 195. So I, all right, today's the day. And uh, I hung my toe over the scale and he was standing beside me and I was nervous. I had sweat, you know, I was like, very nervous. Anyway, 190, right? And I had it. And I, so I played the rest of the last probably two months at, uh, at 195, <laughs> but 190 officially. So it's like, you're trying to pass a piss test or something. You're just, Oh like, yeah. You know, yeah. It was like, worse. Yeah. I think. Right. <laughs> but yeah, but bro, you know what? He was hard on me, but, uh, you know, um, he was in my corner. Right. But, uh, yeah, he just grinded me. He just in, you know, he had his guys. Right. But, uh, you know, he liked you, but, uh, we played in, um, we went to Adirondack, um, Ladder about halfway through the year, so that was Detroit's farm team. Okay, and uh, he called me. So we were in pregame nap, we were playing that night, and he I get a phone call, come down to Brof's room, right? So I had to go down in the afternoon. I was like, Oh, what's you know, I didn't know because then I was kind of in, I had to line up all the time, right? And still hadn't kind of been a regular yet. And uh, he called me down, and he said, uh, I got something for you to do for me tonight, and I said, Yeah, what do you want? And he said, uh, Brad Smith. Who was uh, yeah. went on played in the NHL Motor City Smitty they called yeah, right played okay. Detroit Toronto yeah, yeah you know big tough guy like you know shit disturber right he's got some good videos on YouTube I'm pretty sure yeah, yeah. so Brof says uh, yeah he played for, I think Brad had played for Brof in the WHA maybe Birmingham Bulls somewhere okay. Brof didn't like him right <laughs> he says I want you to fight Brad Smith why didn't he like him do you know why don't know why he okay. never said he just you didn't ask right yeah, he I, just he just said i want you to take care of smith i yeah. said all right no problem right that, that you're not going to say no yeah and anyway back and so that night i told him like now i gotta fight you know for sure right and i didn't like pre-stage fights and things like that that was kind of back then there wasn't that a lot of that right a lot of it was reactionary right so as it turns out we had a bench brawl in the warm-up and brad then was 28 and i was 20 years old so it was a full-on scale brawl in the warm-up. Uh, one of the guys shot a puck at Dave Allison, who was our, one of our leaders, right? And they'd had some history, right? So we had a full-on brawl. So I'm looking for Brad, and he's bigger than me. Yeah. Like I was, you know, 190, 195. But anyway, uh, he was about 210, 6'3", and a veteran. He had already had some time in the NHL, right? So I had to hunt him down up to him and I grabbed the glove you know and he looks at me and goes ah kid we don't need to be involved in this right I, you got no problems right so I'm trying to engage him in a fight he wants nothing to do with it. he's basically piss off kid right leave me alone right yeah so and then the toughest guy in the lineup didn't want to go well he like, no the, he wasn't their toughest they had other tough guys right oh, yeah? yeah oh yeah he wasn't their toughest but uh anyway so he didn't fight me and uh and as it turns out um like Dave Allison our, our he Dave had hit his he head on the ice and uh, their guy was still going to crack him again. And I went in and hit their guy. And I can't remember the guy's name. It was French. He, went, he played in the NHL too, a defenseman. He was tough. And I dove in the pile and I cranked him. And then when I, on the bottom of the pile, a fist come by me. And it was Gerard Gallant, who coaches New York now, right? And Gerard no. and I grew up playing ball. He's from Summerside. Yeah. And Gerard, same time, went through the Quebec League, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, Gerard threw a punch at me, even though we're quasi kind of buddies right yeah because uh, uh, i slugged their guy when he was on That's the ice, right? during so, the warm-up oh during the warm-up so <laughs> anyway um 
so then we go back in the dressing room, you know, and Brof had seen that I tried to start a fight. So it was good. I didn't get thrown out. A bunch of guys got thrown out. So now we're back in. So now I'm still tasked with fighting Brad Smith. Yeah. And anyway, uh, um, went after him a few times, didn't want to fight me. And then uh, I think second period, I got him behind the net and cross-checked him. And then uh, um, then we fought. And he was a guy, if you watch his fights, he kind of mugs you, mauls you. He doesn't stand back and slug, right? Yeah. Well, he was big and strong, so he had me in. He'd give me little noogies, right? And I couldn't get my hands free. And then the refs come in, and he was beaking at me. You know, you just held on and blah, blah, blah. And I had left hand free, and I dropped him. I hit him right on the button, right? Oh. I normally didn't hit guys when the refs were in. And dropped him. Down he went. And then uh, I, I got in a box, and... You know, I got five minutes, 10, he got five minutes, but he was, he was on Bourbon Street and they put him in the box and I was yapping at him that we're going to go again when it get out. But as it turns out, he get into a third man in when he get out of the box in another fight. Uh, so, uh, end of the game, we're showering, getting ready to leave. And, uh, Mike Lawler, who played a long time in the NHL, Mike played with us. We were both rookies the same year. No way. Anyway, Mike, Mike <laughs> comes back in. And I was always one of the last guys out. He says, uh, Stan, there's a woman out there. He said, she's big, right? And got a fur coat on. She's looking for you, right? Like, I think she wants to fight you or something, right? I think she's Brad Smith's wife or girlfriend or something. I go, ah, no way. He goes, yep. So sure enough, I went down the hall. I'm leaving. And she's got like a, uh, you know, the game. Uh, brochure. Brochure, right? And she goes, where's this number six Henniger guy, right? And I was like, and she was taller than me, and, and I think it was his wife. She had a big fur coat on, and uh, she was agitated, right? And I said, oh, he's still in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> I went out on the bus, and basically slinked down on the bus, and uh, anyway, never had any run-in with her. But, That's uh, hilarious. Yeah, so I had to almost fight both the Smiths that night. That's incredible. Yeah, but he actually goes to a golf tournament down in the South Shore, down towards Shelburne. I think they have a fundraiser down there or something. He's been down there. You so. talked to him? No, I've never met him after. Couldn't tell you, you know. But, uh, yeah, anyway. That's crazy. I don't know if he knew that, but anyway, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I don't even know. I'm not even thinking of my next. I'm not even thinking of my next question. I'm just listening. I'm like, yeah. Hey, so that's, yeah. That's, so Brof's funny. So that, I'll tell you. Awesome. I'll tell you another John Brof. So uh, end of the year. So they've got a Montreal's got to put in a playoff roster. So uh, there's like ten games left in a year. Yeah. And I was not on Montreal's radar. Bro, I was a Brof guy, right? So, what does that mean, Brof guy? Brof like. Oh, sorry. Me, yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. And, but nickname. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, Anyway, John called me in the office. He said, Montreal left you off the playoff roster. So you have to put in a roster that can play in the playoffs, right? So I was, I think, 23, whatever, 24, I can't remember, right? And back then, you could put guys from the junior, like your draft picks and, and whatnot. So he said, they left you off the roster. And then we are fighting for a playoff spot. We had guys injured. And I was playing regular. Mm -hmm. And uh, last 10 games, I played the most I played all year. So... Then it comes time for playoffs. We're playing uh, Fredericton Express, which yeah. Wendell played on the team at the time, right? And they were the Nordiques and uh, Vancouver's team. So they were strong. They were number one in our division. So anyway, um, so on. Uh, so I wasn't playing the playoffs. So I was all wrapped up, done, right? And, and uh, game day, uh, we were playing the first game in Fredericton. Brof calls me down to his room in the afternoon. Yeah. And... Uh, I didn't know what he wanted because I wasn't playing, right? Maybe I don't even want to taste some sticks or something. But uh, anyway, calls me in and uh, said, you're playing tonight. 
I was like, well, I'm not on the roster, coach. And he goes, well, you're playing. Don't worry about it. So as it turns out, I didn't find this out till after the season was over in the summer. Our trainer was living here at the time. But they filled out a fake injury report for Michelle Terrier and didn't dress him. And then dress me, right? And wow. I got to play all the playoffs. Uh, we beat Fredericton out that year in game, uh, in seven games. And we had no business beating them. We were fourth. They were first. And and uh, we beat, it was just a war. I think we had two or three bench brawls in that series. That's and, awesome. And got to play, right? And I don't even know if Michelle ever no. heard that story. But the two guys I got left, so I got left off the roster. But uh, we had an 18-year-old guy, Claude Lemieux who went on, he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So he was one of the guys. And then Sergio Mamesio, another guy. Sergio played probably tw 12 years in the NHL. He was 19. Wow. So they were both playing junior. So I never felt bad afterwards about getting, you yeah. know, when those guys come along. But, uh, yeah. So. He's a play, he's guys, he, John's a player's coach, it sounds like. He's just like, he, he'll do anything for his players. Yeah. Well, sounds you know, like it. He was like John, like the, his skill level guys, he he would give a hard time if they weren't scoring, but he liked kind of the rough and tumble. And yeah. uh, if you're that guy, he, he liked you, right? So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's great to see all your, uh, I don't want to say friends, but just people that you've been around with. You you get to see where they go and you get to see, uh, I guess you just have stories about them from back in the day. That's awesome. Yeah. I hope one day I'm in that scenario where, you know, 30, 40 years go down the line. And it's like, oh, yeah, I used to do this with them when he was 20. Like, I think that's awesome how yeah. you just have these stories back to back to back lined up and you know where they are now. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, you know that's, you're, while we're doing what you're doing, Belly, you're yeah. going to be, uh, you're well beyond that point, right? So. You know, I saw you interview uh, Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. Uh, man, that was just world-class interview. Um, and I run into Nathan out at Ashburn Golf Club. Oh, yeah. Uh, two years ago, I was golfing with John Patterson and uh, and uh, his brother Greg and my girlfriend Lori at the yeah. time. And we saw Nathan up in the pro shop. And they were, he'd come in and he was looking to get a game, right? And they just kind of walked on. And I saw Nathan, I went, I bet you Sydney's here, right? Yeah. And uh, anyway, as it turned out, we went down and we had to wait a bit for our tea time. And I think they had to wait an hour or something. The car pulls up, out, out jumps Sydney. And uh, I had met Sydney the night he got drafted. I had never, I met him a few times when he was like a little kid, right? Yeah. You know, we'd have some family stuff and parties and and uh, he wouldn't know who I was, right? And uh so I met him at the airport. Him and his dad wrote there when he was when he got drafted supplement by Pittsburgh. Where right? was the draft that year? Don't know, but this was like the supplement. I can't remember. It was a yeah, because it was a lockout before. Yeah, so it was like it was in like a hotel lot, like room. I yeah, can't remember weird. what it was, but yeah. it was it wasn't like the official draft, right? Yeah. But Pittsburgh was getting the pick. So, and uh, so I met him that night, and uh, but I always anyway we met him golfing that day and he come over and chatted with us and they right. said yeah how's your uncle robbie doing right and he said oh you know my uncle robbie and then it just <laughs> led into it right and uh and he chatted with us about 20 minutes and it was awesome right and that's and, awesome uh, yeah he's a great guy but their third was Marilyn Mew's son who's i think playing at arizona state university oh then. no way so that was that was quite a threesome you got nathan mckinnon Sidney crosby and uh mario's son and right? then did you say you played i played with your dad well, I didn't get to meet him. He was kind of standing in a different part of the parking lot. I wish I had him. I wanted to go over and introduce myself, right? That would have been cool. But I remember Robbie Forbes telling me when Sydney was like eight years old, he said, you got to come see my nephew play. He's going to play in the NHL. I said, Robbie, you can't tell me that you can tell me an eight-year-old kid's going to play in the NHL. He said, Stan, this kid's so that talented, he's going to play. How old was he at the time when he said oh, that, about, sorry? Oh, uh, Sydney was about eight. And he said that? Seven or eight, yeah. Yeah, he said the kids. He's picking top corners from the top of the you know the circle, and 
I was like, I just basically called BS on it, right? Wow. And, uh, anyway, turns out, uh, yeah, yeah, he's, uh, yeah. I remember when I was going, I was my dad was driving me. What's that, Mark? An hour and a half in, so you know. Oh, oh that no. fast! Holy oh, Jesus! <laughs> you got to use the washroom or anything? You're good. Oh, well, you know, we don't want to go too far. How far you want to go? Oh no, I'm good. Are you good? Do you have to go? Uh, well, right. <laughs> Are you all right? Oh, no, that's all right. We can edit it after. It's fine. Um, I remember we were getting dropped off to elementary school, and it was on the radio that a kid from the Dartmouth Subways got, it was like seven goals, and I was getting dropped off at school, and I was blown away. I was like, what, seven goals, Subways? Well, what's going on? And my dad, I remember, turned the radio up. Hmm. And I was just like, what? The, what's, what's going on? And I remember that was the first time I ever heard of Sid's name being yeah. brought up in the, around yeah. here. Incredible. Yeah. That's sick that he called that at seven, eight years old. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's when crazy. Called, I remember to this day, right? That, uh, yeah, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So what's uh, what are you doing now? Uh, well, I moved out west uh, almost eight years ago. I was going out chasing the big money out in Fort Mac, and uh, then the, the oil kind of started petering out. Then, right, yeah. and the, the fly-in, fly-out jobs, uh, and I ended up. Um, Thankfully, uh, going with a company, uh, a rail company called RailServe. Okay. They're part of the Marmon Group of companies, uh, you know, owned by Warren Buffett. Uh, anyway, as one of his 800 group of companies, we're, we're one of them, but most of them are, uh, I think we have about 85 sites throughout North America. And I think we've got about 10 in Canada now. And uh, so I'm an operation, the site leader is official title, it's operations manager, nice. basically. Uh, so based out of, I'm um, about an hour hour and 20 minutes outside Saskatoon. So okay. we look after two yards. Uh, one's a potash mine, a nutrient mine, one of the largest potash mines in the world. Uh, and then we're based about four or five clicks away out of a, 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 a hopper car facility. It's a company's called Campatex and they, they basically market the potash worldwide. So they've got, they've got their own fleet of cars. I can't remember how many, five, 7,000 cars now. Uh, and they have like a, basically a, uh, facility to um, you know service them right okay and so we look after that yard and uh, then we go up to the mine we have for three uh, locomotives engines at our at our facility and yeah wicked so, so yeah. what are you looking to do while you're home how long are you here for uh here two weeks uh, well, two weeks yesterday i'm trying to get everything in i'm getting donairs <laughs> i'm getting fish and chips i'm getting clams we're uh, <laughs> a friend of mine randy mcquade uh randy played ball with us and and played university hot uh he was linebacker at smu back in the 80s yeah i uh, think either just pre-chris flynn days or around that same time and randy also played halifax lions he was a tough guy and <laughs> he grew up north end anyway randy lives outside uh down around bay outside shelburne okay and uh he's set up he's gonna t he just retired department of justice um but he's set up teach paddle boarding and surfing and uh, he got me into some surfing about 10 years ago nice and i'm a god awful surfer uh, if you know i've maybe caught three waves you know are, are you going out oh yeah we're going yeah he's got the boards and paddle boards so yeah we're going out so uh yeah i'm gonna spend four or five days down there uh, awesome. get my kids coming down and my folks and uh they're coming down for a couple but uh randy and i are gonna get out thursday friday saturday uh to get out all right so <laughs> that'll be funny yeah Try not get attacked by a shark. So yeah, no, they're goal. here right now. You got to be careful. Yeah, uh, well, they're around. Yeah. yeah, they've always been around. So we just yeah. mic'd up uh, Marty King, the head coach for yeah. the Steel Subaru. Yeah. He's a big surfer. Yeah, I coached Marty's uh, brother with the Halifax Lions. Okay, back no in way. The, he was a goaltender. Um, Todd King. Okay. And Todd became one of the best fastball players in the world. No way. You 
look up Todd. In the Todd, world. I think, yeah, Todd's in, I think, Sports Hall of Fame. And, uh, and I remember coaching against Marty. Marty played at Dartmouth and um, great athlete. Marty's one of the best skaters I've ever seen. And then he went on to play at St. Mary's and, you know, played his junior hockey. But uh, he was a great athlete. And uh, But both him and Todd are both big surfers. I know that. That's crazy. Yeah. And then we had Ozzy on the podcast. He played for the Mooseheads, played for Moncton. Trickle effect. Everything just trickles down. Yeah. It's crazy. Small yeah. world. That's one thing I'm learning about this job is whenever we're in hockey rinks, and especially from this podcast, it's just yeah. there's a connection with everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. No, it is. Especially from around cool. here. Yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable. Um all right, well, Stan, I, I appreciate you coming on. You know, you, you the, 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 I don't even want to say knowledge, but I do want to yeah. say knowledge. The knowledge, the stories, the, the life adventure of Stan Henniger is quite incredible. Yeah. I don't know if it's knowledge. I think it's just it's, getting old. No, I don't think, <laughs> hey, no, 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 no. You look great. You're, yeah. how, what, are you, how old are you? What are you pushing? You're 58. 50, 58? Yep. Yeah. You look great for 58. Well, do you know what? I get into doing some uh, Spartan obstacle course races uh, probably about seven years ago. I've done nine events, so, and I haven't done it in the last couple of years because of COVID. Yeah. Uh, looking to get back to doing something next year. But, uh, yeah, we've done some pretty cool stuff, and, uh, you know, kind of gets me out of bed on a Saturday morning. It's minus 40 in uh, Saskatchewan. I get to the gym, <laughs> right? So, yeah. But, yeah, doing some paddle boarding and golfing out, out there, and, and my job's kind of a uh, physical job, so you're out active and, you know, kind of getting after it every day. You're always moving, even when you're yeah. younger. You know, it just you know, it just seems like you're always moving. You're always going. Yeah. Always. I guess that's the key to life, key to happiness. It is. Keep moving. Keep moving. Yeah. All right, Stan, once again. Awesome. Thank belly. you very much for coming on. Good I appreciate stuff, it. Man. Thank you very much. It's been, a, been a blast. Everyone listening, thank you very much for tuning in uh, once again. Thank you for the support. Today's Monday. Fresh week. Work hard. Have fun. If you see Stan on the streets, if you see him surfing, say hi to him. And we're out. Peace.
love me. 